Whoa. Wait a minute. Huh? Hold up. What? Oh, okay. Did we just lose the f***ing Canucks? You're listening to Halford and Bruff. They're coming at us. He's a horse. <laughs> the snap is good. The ball put down. The kick is up. No good. Wide right. Wide right. The Bills kicker missed a field goal. Wide right. It sucks. I feel like my heart just got ripped out. You won't be needing this. Good morning. Welcome to Halford and Bruff here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, but I am not Mike Halford. I am Jamie Dodd filling in for Mike today, but don't worry. Bruff is here. Good morning. The dogs buddy. are here. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Hello, hello. How's it going? Hey, dog, you made it here despite the transit strike. Yes. Congrats. Sky trains are running for so now. Sky train is running for are, now. Are all the other ones not? Nope. Buses, sea buses are not running. Oh, okay. Sky trains are momentarily running. They might shut down later today, though, apparently. So, unfortunately, Halford's feeling a little bit under the weather. If you listen to the show Friday, you could hear that he wasn't quite right. Um, I'm sure he would have loved to have been in this morning to crow about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers no longer <laughs> being part of the NFL playoffs. Alas, you know he's sick because he would have loved that. Alas, he's going to take at least a day off. What a brand to have. Vancouver's foremost Tampa Bay Buccaneers hater. Yeah. And I, <laughs> and I thought they played okay. Yeah, yeah, Against for sure. the Lions, right? They, they had like, a chance to win it. Yeah. Baker, I mean, <laughs> then Baker threw a pick, which, you know, but uh, they, they were in it with a, a chance to tie it up on the final drive there. Uh, it is Halford and Bruff here. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet. What are you waiting for? I realize I just did your read, You just stepped, stepped on my yeah. read. Completely blew it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's fine. Good start. Good start. <laughs> all right. I'll just sit here for a bit. You go. You I'll, I got a whole go. bunch of other reads you to do, do it here, all, buddy. But yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, it also brought you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Visit your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. And also by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling. They recycle. You get paid. 1170 Powell Street. Uh, it's because on my show. I can't trust Drance to do any of the reads, so I have to do all of the reads, including the Kintech read. I understand. You know, I, understand. I can't. I can't offload it to uh, to Drance. Drance and I are similar. We both have big egos. Where we're like, we don't do reads. We do takes. <laughs> we do takes. Uh, you want to do the the Dunbar Lumber read, or should I do that too? Uh, if, yeah, if you want to text it into the show to the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650, Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner and Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Butis in Vancouver, online at DunbarLumber.com. Wow, look at you. There you go. Uh, big show coming up today, 630. David Amber from Sportsnet Hockey Night in Canada will join us. Uh, lots going on, obviously, Canucks and Leafs, which we'll get to in a minute over the weekend, but then some interesting news around the NHL as well over the weekend. Uh, Mike Tannier from The Messenger will join us to wrap up the divisional round of the NFL playoffs look ahead to the conference championship weekend next week Kevin Woodley joins the show at eight o'clock always uh, a treat to chat with Woodley about the Canucks and the goaltending and some goaltending stuff around the league also 
8.30, of course, is what we learn time. And today we are giving away a pair of tickets to the Canucks and the Blues. That's on Wednesday, January 24th. That's this Wednesday. You can win. We're giving it away to the best what we learned submission. So get your texts in now. Hashtag WWL what you learned over the last 24 hours, really 72 hours in sports on a Monday. And this is very important. Make sure you include the ticket emoji for your chance to win. So a pair of tickets to the Canucks versus the Blues Wednesday, January 24th uh, for the best what we learn submission. We will pick it and announce the winner at 830. Uh, Before we get to that, though, let's start with what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. No. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed it. What happened brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance, making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit bccsa.ca. And, of course, we will start with the Canucks, who took down the hated Maple Leafs uh, in an early start game on Saturday, 6-4 at Rogers Arena, the final score for the Canucks. Yeah, those are the types of games where you're watching at home and thinking – Boy, I wish I was in the arena for this. Yes. I hope that everyone that's listening right now that got to go to the game had a great time in the arena. The Canucks are now 16-4-1 and at Rogers Arena this season. There have been some great games and, more importantly, a lot of wins. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched it from a bar in Whistler, and the whole place was into it. Um, and... Everyone's into the Canucks mm-hmm. right now. It's amazing how much I hear people talking about this team. I'm a big eavesdropper. I love eavesdropping on people's conversations. Right. So it feels like every conversation um, I walk by and I'm like, oh, I'm going to listen to what they're talking about, is about the Canucks and whether or not this is all real. Mm. I'm hearing a lot of, uh, you know, I wonder what they're going to do at the trade deadline. Le- legitimately, I'm not making this up. I walk, walk every Every not every conversation, but like a lot of conversations I go by, they're talking about this team. Now, when we're talking about this team or the Canucks themselves are talking about themselves, the one word I keep hearing is resiliency. And, you know, some teams, they have like slogans and mm-hmm. stuff and they're you know they listen the Canucks are trying to find an identity and I think they're doing a pretty darn good job of finding one it feels like that word resiliency it has become a rallying cry for a team that has been anything but in the last few years um whether it's not having a three game losing streak all season that means you're resilient yep. that you don't that you don't i mean they've only had two two game losing streaks so that means you battle back from bad performances and you respond um or on saturday not folding the tent after the leafs came back and scored three quick goals to tie the game at 3 or not folding up after they gave up a brutal shorthanded goal to make it 4-4 just stay in the game. Recognize that things are going to go wrong during any game and during any season. Yeah. And just keep battling away. The Canucks, yes, they've managed to stay healthy, so they haven't really needed to show resilience in that uh, area of the game. And knock on wood, hopefully they can stay healthy. But 
the Canucks are finding all sorts of way to, ways to win games this season. Um, their win total now stands at 31 out of 46 games. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, you said there, you know, you know, things will go wrong in a game or things will go wrong during a season. Not not this season, not yet for the Canucks. It yeah. has been absolutely incredible what a dream season it has been from start to finish. And, you know, a couple like the two points you make there, right, about how much people are on board with this team again, but also the resiliency. I think those things are connected, right, because even into like December, right? And the team obviously has had a fantastic record the whole season pretty much. But even into December, I got the sense and we would have people text in that there was this, we were so conditioned for things to go poorly for the Canucks by the last decade yeah, that people were still kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, are they going to blow it? Oh, they've been 500 for a while. What's going on here? Are they going to, you know, get dragged back into a wild card fight in the playoffs? People were waiting for that moment. And I think what's happened now is since then, over the last like six weeks, they've been so good. They go out, they have that road trip. They put the lotto line together. I think they have answered those questions. Now, look, if they go on this incredible losing streak, will those questions crop up? Yeah, of course they will. But I think what they've done, at least for the time being, is with their resiliency, mm-hmm. by never falling into these traps, never going on this extended losing streak, or even a three-game losing streak, right? Battling back in games like that where they've blown a lead. I think they've answered a lot of those questions, and they've stopped people from thinking, when is the other shoe going to drop? When is this going to collapse? And now they're just living in the moment and enjoying Mm -hmm. it. I think that's why people are so excited is it feels like they've answered those questions about the mentality of this team that had existed for so many years coming into this one. That was really like, it was wild, weird, that game. Um, You know, the negative um, would be like the Leafs ended up out shooting Mm -hmm. the Canucks, something like 46 to 21. But just the way that game started, the Canucks were, all over the Leafs, and if you read the Leafs post-game comments, they're like just an unacceptable start yep. by us. Uh, they certainly didn't hang it on their goalie Martin Jones, but that's a problem for the Leafs that we can talk about later. Um, score effects were naturally going to set in. Now they probably set in a little bit more than the Canucks wanted them to, uh, but the Canucks never trailed in that game. And they had a lot of leads. They had multiple. They were uh-huh. up three nothing. They're up four three. They're up. Uh, 5-4 and then eventually 6-4 and the Leafs are a good team and it was Saturday night and there was a lot of energy in the building. They weren't going to roll over and die either. Um, I just want to say that, um, so on Friday uh, your partner Thomas Drance was on the show and I said Drancer, I want to give you a few minutes to not so much say I told you so but sing the praises of Connor Garland because Garland has been criticized a lot in this market Mm -hmm. and, you know, started the season, couldn't score. Uh, Now he's starting to score. And, you know, your answer to his credit actually was like, listen, man, I'm eating so much crow about this season. I'm not going to say I told you so about Connor Garland, but we just both agree that we can't say enough good things about how Garland is playing, how well he's playing and how really important the fact that, that line that he makes go with Bluger and Joshua has allowed the Canucks to do things like reunite the lotto line and frankly just just allowed them that that's a big part of the resiliency of the Canucks right you put that mm. line out more often than not things are going to happen um, if there's a momentum in the game and it's going against you quite often you can put that line out there and they'll at least try and like 
not so much retilt the ice, but it'll calm things down a little bit. Um, I know a lot of people will talk about the two goals he scored against the Leafs, but on Hoaglander's second goal, he took a huge hit in the corner. And the thing about Garland is he he didn't like just be like, ah, I got hit, I'm out of it, right? Yep. He still managed to make a play from the ground to get it to Nils Amon, who got it to Hoaglander, who scored. Um, again, I love what Bluger and Joshua are doing on that line too. They're not, you know, just feeding off Garland. They're doing their own things. But Garland, for me, is the one that makes it go. It's his his playmaking. I think is the straw that stirs the drink for those guys. Right? His playmaking, and I think his his energy mm. and his um, his motor. Yeah. His motor is ridiculous, even at the end of a, a long shift where the Canucks have been playing usually in the other team's end. He's still able to win battles and keep plays alive, and that line rarely goes down into the offensive end and has like a one-and-done. Like They normally keep things yep. going, and a lot of the times that's Garland. And how about Nils Hoaglander? Two more goals for this guy. <laughs> Um, he's playing really well, still in a limited role. I know a lot of people want to see him on the power play. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not even on, he's even on the second unit nope. power play, right? So Suter replaced Kuzmenko on the first unit power play again. I don't know if I love that, but I, I don't see it. I don't know if I'd see Hoaglander, but they might want to give him a chance or you just put Hronik back there again. At any rate, the the power play got it done. They scored twice with uh, PD and Miller each getting a goal. Um, What do you think about Hoaglander right now? Uh, To me, I mean, first of all, I think he's playing really well. I wouldn't expect, you know, he's on pace for like 25 plus goals or whatever. I wouldn't necessarily bet on that. Like this is one of the classic examples of a guy where a lot of his shots are going in probably more than you would expect to continue. I don't say that to say he's not playing well. He is playing really well, but again, with Hoaglander, the key thing for him is it's great when you're getting these goals, but you know, you were talking about Connor Garland and I think, that's a pretty reasonable player for him to model some of what he's doing and, and how to get in talk. It's good books, right? Yeah. Because, you know, not the biggest guys, but Garland is a great example that as much as talk it, you know, loves having a player like Dakota Joshua. And we know in the back end, how much they value size. You don't have to be a big, strong player to earn Tockett's trust, right? If you're working hard, if you're in on the forecheck, if you're doing those things, you can become somebody that he relies on. And I think we've seen it with Connor Garland. We've seen it in moments with Niels Hoaglander and the goals mm-hmm. will help. But I kind of look at Hoaglander as much as you can say, oh, can you find a way to move him up the lineup? You know, the third line, or really they're basically the second line at this point, they're playing so well in their role. You want to keep them together. I'm kind of feeling that way about Amon Lafferty and Hoaglander as yeah. well. Like, that's a really solid fourth line. Really good. Niels Amon and Sam Lafferty have the defensive trust of the coach. Mm-hmm. So Hoaglander can go out with two guys who are really reliable defensively and try to score goals and try to be the offensive force on that line. And so, yeah, maybe you have to move it around a, a little bit at some point. But right now, you've got a bottom six where you feel really good about them playing in their roles and playing the style that the coach wants them to play shift after shift out there. Do you think it's possible? that the player that the Canucks target in a trade, and by the sounds of it, 
they're going to target a few players. They're already targeting <laughs> yep. a few players in a trade. I mean, one of them, Elliot Freeman was saying, listen, I don't know all the players that they're looking at, but mm-hmm. apparently there's four or five. He thinks one of them's Jake Gensel. He thinks another is Elias Lindholm out of Calgary. Um, obviously, there's going to be a few more. Do you think they're going to target a guy to just essentially replace Kuzmenko? Like, he would he would be a top six winger, I guess not in the case if it's a center, but able to play on the on the power play. So you wouldn't have to have Suter or Horonic or Nils Hoaglander on that. I think even if they're not thinking it, about it in exactly those terms, right, we're playing, replacing Andre Kuzmenko, that's what it's going to end up being. Yeah, You know what I mean? Because you probably have to move him, I think, we'll see, in order to free up the salary cap space to go add an impact guy if you decide to do that. And then realistically, you know... It's great that we're just talking about the bottom six lines here and, you know, especially the Garland line with Bluger and Joshua that has covered up the complete lack of production from the, you know, theoretical second line. Right. The Pew mm-hmm. Suter, Andre Kuzmenko, Ilya Mikheyev trio. And a lot of that has fallen on Andre Kuzmenko, but it's not as if Ilya Mikheyev is out there, you know, fill in the stat sheet either. And it's pretty remarkable that. One, they're winning so many games and we're barely talking about, you know, a second line that is really not producing at all. I just think I it's don't such even a want clear... to call them the second line. I know they're, they're not. not. They don't they're deserve not. it. The, they don't the, deserve it. The Garland line is in de- the de facto second yeah. line yeah. at this point. But it's just such a clear area of need, right? You you would love to go, to be in a place where that Garland line can, in fact, be the third line. Mm-hmm. You have two legitimate scoring lines in the top six, whether it's by keeping the lotto line together or breaking it up or however it is. And I think the only way you accomplish that is by replacing Kuzmenko with an impact player. Just a few things on the Leafs. Um, They all played the Canucks on the night, but some of that or a lot of that was score effects. Um, More importantly, the Canucks have a very good goalie and the Leafs do not right now. Demko allowed four goals. And you can take issue with a few, although I'm sure the goalie brigade will say, like, it tipped off Susie's step. That's harder than it looked. Um, But he's still at a save percentage above 900 because the Leafs put 46 shots on him. Demko was not a detriment to the Canucks on that. In fact, they needed him. Uh, Martin Jones, meanwhile, allowed six goals on just 21 shots, including three in the first period when the Canucks were all over the Leafs. And oftentimes, you know, that's when you need your goalie, especially on the road, when the other team is going to press and you need your goalie to make some saves. Um, You know, I, I don't know what the Leafs are thinking right now. Are they, is Bradshaw living going to make some moves? Is he going to find a goalie or is he just going to wait for Joseph Wool? Is he going to find some defenseman or is he just going to be like, you know, I don't know if this is the season for us. We'll see what happens in the playoffs, but I don't know if we can give up any assets for a run where our team looks like this. Um, We do have a good text into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Toronto media talking about Lafferty versus Ryan Reeves. Reeves is sitting and at a big salary for three years and at a contract. I believe that's a 35 plus contract, too, because Reeves is like. Reeves is 37. Yeah. And there's a big story on sportsnet.ca about Ryan Reeves not playing. And, you know, he obviously doesn't like being a healthy scratch. But then you also wonder, like, how healthy are you? Because he also talks about having to wear these knee braces. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. his knees are all over the place. You know, like he feels like his knees are loose and that sort of thing. So I'm I'm, kind of like, man, you know what? 
I feel like you're going to end up the same way a lot of Leafs have, older Leafs where you're just going to be LTI. Permanent LTIR forever. LTI'd and, you know, it's possible, I suppose, that Ryan Reeves may not play many, if any, more games in the NHL at all. Who could have seen this coming, that the Ryan Reeves three-year deal for a player at his age with his track record wouldn't work out? But the comparison and the point, as you said, brought up in the Dunbar-Lumber text line uh, about Sam Lafferty, imagine if something like that had happened in reverse, right, where the Canucks trade a player for a fifth-round pick because they need a roster spot. And remember, again, originally it was to uh, keep a roster spot open for Fraser Mitten coming out of training camp. And mm-hmm. he ended up going back to junior. So even like for that purpose, it didn't really work out uh, for very long for the Leafs. And then you have Sam Lafferty doing what he's doing for a winning team. And Ryan Reeves, as you said, looks to be destined for just maybe not playing. And he was, he was dreadful when he was in the lineup earlier in the year for the Leafs. So here's another text. Who do you trade if Kuzmenko breaks out and is scoring and playing right? I think it's getting a little late in the season for that. Yeah. Especially the playing right. He might come in and score a few goals. But the playing right thing, I mean, we're halfway through the season here. Yep. The trade deadline's in March, and Jim Rutherford-led teams have often beaten the deadline. Like, they don't wait until the deadline. So we could have a trade pretty soon. I think, I think unfortunately for Kuzmenko, his story may have already been written here. Mm-hmm. Um now, I don't know what a Kuzmenko trade looks like. Um, I'm pretty sure he's movable to a team like Chicago or San Jose. Yep. I wouldn't expect much in return. But the fact that he's got this second year on his contract, you know, people might be like, why would Chicago on him? Like, they're trying to, you know, they're trying to tank. Chicago's giving money San away, Jose. giving contracts to yeah. Jason Dickinson and Nick Foligno. They're right. just like, we need guys. We need, we need guys. NHL like, players in our lineup okay, next year. So, so. Get a load of, I'm just going to bring up the Blackhawks forward lines because these are the ones oh we're going to see tonight. And it really is unfortunate what a that Connor Bedard isn't able to play. Um, I was thinking they should make this guaranteed win night for the Canucks. Like that could be the gimmick. Um, full refunds on the tickets if the Canucks don't win. Probably not going to happen because these were among the highest priced tickets yep. for the Canucks all season because of Connor Bedard. Now, instead of Connor Bedard, we will see as the top line in Chicago, Philip Kurashev, Taylor Radish, and Rem Pitlick. Jason Dickinson is their best player. Did Definitely he, their best forward. Yeah, and he's the, he's their second line center. Um, the other centers are Mackenzie Entwistle, Zach Sanford. Like it is, this team stinks, right? And 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 you know they're even worse than they looked like at the beginning of the season because of course they lost Connor Bedard and mm-hmm. he's going to be out a few more weeks. They lost Taylor Hall, which brings us to Corey Perry. Who is now, apparently, after leaving the Chicago Blackhawks, going to sign with the Edmonton Oilers. Was it always bound to happen that Corey Perry was going to be back in the NHL this season? Oh, yeah. I think there's too much cachet still with the name. If he wanted it, and obviously he did, some team was going to to do it. So he hasn't done a media availability He never did one in Chicago about what happened. They removed him from the team. He went home, and he didn't talk about it. And then basically the whole story is like, something happened. And then eventually Corey Perry released a statement that definitely didn't get into any of the specifics of what happened. 
but said that he has an issue with alcohol and he's mm-hmm. going to have to try and deal with it. Um, and he obviously apologized. Um, so one of the things that I've been thinking about is whether or not we're going to learn anything more about it. I mean, he's obviously going to get asked about it. If he, if indeed he does sign in Edmonton, he's going to get asked about it. Um, what happened? And I do, while I do kind of want to know, I also think it might be nice to protect whoever else was yes. involved in this thing. And know? I think that's a pretty easy way for Corey Perry to take answering the questions, right? Yeah. Like you're right, he will be asked about it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't expect a great deal of detail. You know, he's already said he has the problem with alcohol, so I, I wouldn't expect a ton more details, right? I think it's going to be you know the typical, hey, I'm focused on focused on here with the Oilers now and that's yeah. in the past and I've, I've made you know, I'm seeking help and all those things but right. I don't think we're going to get a lot of salacious details from what might have happened do you like in, the pickup do you like the pickup for the Oilers I talking about the player it. you know yeah. it, bottom six help for them and the one thing is they're on such an incredible heater now. Like, do you need, how much do you need to change the mix? But he's still a useful player and in a limited role, he can help them for sure. Uh, We're going to take a quick break here. David Amber will join us on the other side. Uh, By the way, reserve your spot for the big football party at Clayton public house hosted by Sportsnet 650. Visit the ClaytonPub.com. Clayton public house, good food, good people, good times. I also do want to say, remember we're giving away a pair of tickets to the Canucks and the Blues uh, on the on January 24th. So that's this Wednesday for the best what we learned. Now, lots of what we learned have come in, but remember, this is very important. To be eligible for the prize, you have to include the ticket emoji. I think I've only seen one or two ticket emojis in. So send in your what we learned, include the ticket emoji in the text, and then you will be eligible uh, for the prize of two tickets to the Canucks and the Blues. We will announce the winner at 8.30. Up next, David Amber from Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada here on Halford & Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. Ride the wave. A lot of good things going on. Hockey is exciting. It's successful again in Vancouver. The team's obviously going to make the playoffs, so maybe concentrate on getting out of that first round, but it is not Stanley Cup or bust in Vancouver this year. It is a great year. It's a fun year, and it's fun to be in Vancouver again. Welcome back to Halford and Bruff here. Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd filling in. For Halford, that was Kevin Bieksa giving his take on the Canucks season. Not Stanley Cup or bust, according to Juice. That was from the Hockey Day in Canada broadcast on Saturday. Halford and Bruff brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling, Vancouver's premier recycler, pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid 1170 Powell Street. Also brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Visit your nearest Delari Acura dealer today and uh do we have uh amber on the line now joining us uh he was part of the hockey day in canada broadcast of course you see him on hockey night in canada and on sportsnet's nhl coverage he is david Am- i'll say something i forget about what kevin's saying about pumping the brakes <laughs> this is what sports is all about right you don't know when you're gonna have a chance to cheer i mean it's been a miserable 12 years by all accounts for canucks fans embrace it let them cook have some fun like you know you don't know the team's fun to watch. You don't know how the season's going to end up, but 
jump in, you know, full hearted and, mm-hmm. and be into it. I, you know, I, I say that's what being a sports fan is all about. Yeah. Your heart gets broken once in a while, but you, you can't just stifle your feelings. You can't hold back. This is a time to sort of pump your chest out and say, yeah, this is awesome. We're watching the Canucks doing something special right now. Well, and if I had to guess, I would say, you know, who isn't pumping the brakes is Canucks president of hockey operations, Jim Rutherford, because we know how he likes to operate. We know he, he likes to be breaks. aggressive. Yeah, not a lot of breaks to no pump. There. And now he has an extension in hand going in to the trade deadline season, David. So with all considering all of those facts, uh, are you expecting, are you banking on the Canucks going out and making a bold addition at some point here in the next six weeks? A hundred percent. And if I had to bet on it, I wouldn't say in the next six weeks, I'd say in the next like two to three weeks, because as you guys know, Jim Rutherford has no breaks and he gets in front of the shopping season. He doesn't wait to see the marketplace develop. He is the marketplace, right? He's the one who creates the marketplace. Uh, He, you know, he's just a very bold guy and he has the Stanley cup rings to, to, you know, when you've built up that equity, you can feel a little bit more confident in the moves you make. Is everything going to be a home run? No, but he's not afraid to, to say, here's what I identify as an area of need. Here's a person I think could help fill that need, and let's go and pursue them. Uh, as for the Leafs, um, their performance on Saturday in Vancouver was not awful except for the start, but did that game show what's wrong with the Leafs, uh, you know, their start was bad. And also they just don't have a goalie that they can rely on right now. Yeah. I mean, Thatcher Demko was under siege for much of the second and third period. And I know he allowed four goals, but it could have been much more. I mean, he made some really, really big stops there. Uh, and Martin Jones isn't Thatcher Demko and there aren't very many Thatcher Demkos around. And, yeah, I mean that's it's not to put this on the goaltending. There's the the blue line. I mean the Canucks blue line is you know head and shoulders top to bottom ahead of the, of the Leafs blue line. So there's a lot to it. Uh, yeah, the Leafs are a good team, but they're not. They just they're lack composition that you're looking for in a Stanley Cup championship caliber team. And you can just start rattling off. You go look at Tampa and look at their blue line. They marched out when they won the championship. Look at Colorado. Uh, and you look obviously last year at the Golden Knights, and the Leafs just don't have that type of makeup. They have some guys playing well and doing some things. Uh, McCabe's been very good of late. Obviously, Morgan Riley's an all-star, much deserved. Uh, Simon Benoit has been a nice surprise. He's sort of been the equivalent, you know, he's sort of been their Zadorov or their their kind of guy who can clean up a dirty area. Their Deharnay, he can kind of be that guy. Um, but they need they need more and. You know, it was an inconsistent, not a full 60-minute game versus the Canucks. You can't go out against the top team in the NHL and, and walk back into your dressing room after 20 minutes staring down a 3 nothing deficit, right? And missing out on a lot of, of, of one-on-one battles in front of the net and missed assignments and just, you know, the way Kevin and, and Kelly and, and Elliot put it and, and Jennifer was just a lack of discipline at times that cost them. So... Uh, mistakes are being made. They had a much better effort last night against a much lesser opponent in uh, the Seattle Kraken. Um, but yeah, it's, the Leafs have some work to do. And just like Jim Rutherford's probably out there with Patrick Alvin identifying exactly how they're going to, you know, put their team over the top. The Leafs are going out and going about their business trying to do the same. Yeah, the Kraken are a weird team, man. Streaky team. Like they they want mm-hmm. did they win nine in a row and now they've lost four in a row? Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on. Well, that team in they're, Seattle. Missing, they're missing some guys. They're missing, yeah. you know, they're missing Matty Beneers took a hit. He's been out for a little. Vince Dunn, who's their number one defenseman, mm-hmm. he's been out. 
Uh, Yanni Gord missed yesterday's game. He has that suspension. So you took some key parts of their team away. And, you know, the way I think a way a lot of people are looking at Seattle guys is they weren't the 60-point team. They're, they're not the 60-point team from their inaugural season. That was pretty dreadful. And they're not the 100-point season from from last year. They're somewhere in the middle. They're, you know, a serviceable team. When they play their best hockey, they're good. And when they don't play their best hockey, they're very mediocre. And that's sort of what we're seeing. They're in that, that muddy middle where you find, you know, 15, 16 teams residing in the NHL every year. What do you think of Corey Perry to Edmonton? Uh, I like it. I think it's probably high reward, low risk. I mean, you on a 13 game winning streak, it's probably easier to make a, a move then than when you're desperate and on a 13 game losing streak and are searching for answers. You know, bottom line is you bring him in, he doesn't hurt your cap. Um, there's a guy who's won a Stanley Cup and been to a number of Stanley Cup finals. And if it doesn't work out for whatever reason, chemistry or whatever, okay, are you any further behind? No. Um, so to me, uh, it, it's kind of a, a high percentage move with, with low risk. And at the end of the day, Corey Perry uh, has been proven to do play a style that's very effective uh, and gets teams wins in the, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You know, he was on that Montreal team uh, during the bubble year, and he was causing the Leafs fit in that first-round series. He was on that Dallas team. Uh, they made a run all the way to the Stanley Cup final. He was on the Tampa team. Like, he has it in his pedigree. This is what he does. Uh, he obviously has good net front presence. He plays a physical brand of hockey. He has some leadership ability. And I think you put all that into a, a nice package. And, and what? why not? And there were other teams that were in pursuit of him. So this wasn't, you know, the Oilers going out on some massive limb. This was, you know, by all accounts, the reports say there was five and six teams interested in him, and this was him choosing Edmonton over those other teams. When do the Flames wave the white towel? They've lost two in a row now. They lost to the Leafs, the visiting Leafs, on Thursday, and then Edmonton rolled. Rolled. Uh, they kept rolling. They were, that game was in Edmonton, so I can't say they rolled through Cal- or that game was in Calgary. So it was in Cal- yeah, so Edmonton won that three to one. Um, they're twenty one, twenty and five. So the record isn't horrible. I guess you could say they're still in the playoff race, but I do wonder. If during the All-Star game, the Flames still have three games before the All-Star game, the Flames management gets together and goes, okay, what are we what are we going to do here? Um, because with a lot of these guys, like, are they, see, I still don't even know if they're trying to keep a guy like Elias Lindholm. Well, I've said this before in your show. The one thing they're not going to have happen is a Johnny Gaudreau situation. I mean, I, they must be working feverishly with Hannafin, with Tanev, with Lindholm mm-hmm. to know exactly what their expectations are and if it fits into the model that they want to move forward with. They're not going to just let these three guys walk at the end of the year and go, oh, shoot, well, at least we made the playoffs in the final wild card spot. The one thing that does change things so a little bit is they're right there. And, you, you know, what are you going to sell to your fan base? Like, they're four points out of a playoff spot. Look at the teams that they're battling with. St. Louis, Minnesota, Seattle, Arizona, Nashville. I mean, we're not talking world beaters here, right? Uh, and you mentioned, well, they have three games before their all-star break. They're all at home, and it's against St. Louis, Columbus, and Chicago. They very well might win all three games, and they very well be heading into the all-star break in a playoff position. I mean, that's not outside the realm of possibility here. So, 
Uh, it is an interesting one. I, I don't think they're going to make all their decisions based on do we make the playoffs or not, because I think they have to think long term. I think they, what they I really want to do is identify of those three big free agents, you know, who wants to be here long term and who fits into our salary structure long term. Like, who do we see as a viable guy that's going to be sort of part of our nucleus? I don't think all three of those players are going to remain with the Calgary Flames, and I'm sure they're trying to sort of sort out how uh, the marketplace looks. But it's not about bailing necessarily from the playoffs. It's just like they can't afford to have another Johnny Gaudreau situation. I think they realize they're probably not a Stanley Cup caliber team at this point. So um, they're, to me, probably the most interesting team as we head towards March 8th because they do hold the most cards and the biggest cards. You know, the Winnipeg Jets in the offseason was the big storyline with Shifley and Hellebuck, and we all saw what happened with Dubois and Wheeler. And those answers have been, you know, those questions have been answered, and now it's, you know, Craig Conroy and his management staff uh, who have a lot of answers to be delivered to us. Can Patrick Waugh save the Islanders? <laughs> well, I, listen, did you guys see video of their first practice? Yes, he was quite intense. <laughs> yeah, he's on a delicate flower coming in and saying, okay, guys, let me see what we're all about. He's like, we're going to be about, I'm going to tell you what we're about. I'm going to bring in accountability. I'm going to bring in intensity. And look at the key players on that team. Pretty cerebral, uh, great you know, people. You know, you guys know all what Horvat's about. We know you guys in British Columbia know all about Matthew Barzell and guys like Brock Nelson and guys like Anders Lee. But maybe they needed a little fire uh, in the group and a little change in identity the way Rick Tockett has brought some of that fire and change in identity in Vancouver. So is he going to save their season? I mean, they're two points out of a playoff spot. Um, They're going to definitely feel different, I think, under Patrick Waugh. And I don't know much about Lane Lambert, but I know he's not Patrick Waugh. And maybe he's just the right voice at the right time. Uh, do I expect 2019 Craig Berube and suddenly the Islanders go from outside of playoff spots to a Stanley Cup champion? No, I, I just don't think they have the horses to do that. Do I think this is a guy who can kind of light a fire under them? And, you know, who probably hated this move more than anyone were the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Detroit Red Wings, the Toronto Chiefs. <laughs> yeah. like, those teams that they're right there, you know, in the in those spots just above them, it's like, mm, you might get that coaching bump. Um, it just seems like they he could be that right voice at the right time. You know, it's funny, we, we often talk about the Islanders, not because we're particularly interested in the Islanders, but that's the team that Bo Horvat has mm-hmm. committed to for a long time and for a lot of money. And, you know, I'm sure he's feeling happy that he's financially secured, and I'm sure he's happy that he feels appreciated because I think he didn't feel the appreciation in Vancouver at the end of his tenure here. But I wonder mm-hmm. what he signed up for there. Um, you know, like, if you look at that lineup, Barzell's a good player, and so is Horvat too, and Noah Dobson is playing some really good hockey on, on defense, but I don't know if any of those approach what Elias Pettersson is or Quinn Hughes is or even JT Miller, and, and, and you know they do have a goalie. They have a great goalie in Ilya Sorokin, but they also, and this is kind of an under-the-radar story, they haven't made a first-round pick since 2019. They've traded away a guy like Aturatu in the Bo Horvat trade, I was reading one of those team rankings of prospects, and they're 31 out of 32. And I just wonder what the future holds for the Islanders because they've also committed to a lot of guys that are getting a little bit old. So 
So I got a question for you. Who was 32 out of 32, just out of curiosity? I can't even remember. I can't okay. even remember who it was. It was probably like Pittsburgh or, or something like that. or something. Yeah, you know, it was like a good Colorado. team that had, you know, yeah. um, you know won okay. stuff. Yeah. Um, well, listen, there's a few things. For, listen, if the Vancouver Canucks go out there and make a deep playoff run and, and the Islanders don't, you have to, you'd only be human to have some level mm-hmm. of regret or remorse or whatever. Uh, having said that, the team Bo Horvat walked away from wasn't this team. Yes, the players were the same, but the results were not the same. And, you know, it's, when he left, it wasn't like, wow, he's decided to go to the you know New York Islanders from this maybe possible championship pedigree team. We were not talking about the Vancouver Canucks in that light last year, so we, we should add that level of context. Um, but I do just, in a whole larger level, theoretically, guys, I, I do agree with you. Like, the best cautionary tale of chasing money, you know, um, it was, oh, God, I'm having a brain blank now. Uh, he, he left the Vegas Golden Knights, and he went to the Calgary Flames. Uh, help me out here. Uh, big winger. Um, oh, my goodness. He, he left, And then he went to Edmonton from there. I don't know. I'm having them. Oh, James Neal. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. You saved me there. It's uh, my, my body's all messed up. We flew across country yesterday <laughs> from Victoria to Toronto. We had a show last <laughs> night. I had to drive my son to school this morning. I honestly, I don't know what day it is. Like we got a double header tonight. I, everything's going wrong. So everything forced uh, anyway. James Neal out of your head. <laughs> <laughs> James Neal, you know, it's a classic case where he had this great thing in Vegas. They offered him a deal and he was offered a bit more money, a bit more term by Calgary. Um, but you don't, run away from happiness. He was so happy the situation he was in. They they got to the Stanley Cup final his first year and he'd be the first one to tell you like he may be zigged when he should have zagged. And sometimes people do I'm not saying Bo Horvat was chasing money, um, but sometimes, you know, if you're in a place and you're super happy, you're the captain of the Vancouver Canucks, you know, sometimes you have to factor everything in. And I'm sure there was a lot of factors. And listen, he's from the eastern part of Canada, and, and there was probably so many other considerations being being put there. And I'm, so I'm not making this about Bor Horvat. But bottom line is something I tell my kids is if you're happy in a situation, don't try and, you know, mm. chase something else that isn't necessarily going to bring you a greater level of happiness. So, you know, if I were an agent, as much as you want your, your client to make as much money as they can, you always got to factor that in. You ask me sort of what it's going to be like. It's going to be very tough. No one's going to be, you know, probably hurting more if the Canucks do have a, a great successful playoff run than Bo Horvat. I just want to know, David, if we can get it so we get a, uh, an Islanders-Flyers playoff series so we can get Patrick Waugh versus Torts because I think that would be really oh great for God. us. That for us in the media, incredible. that would can be they, fantastic. If, they, if those teams both miss the playoffs, can they just play a series anyway? <laughs> play a seven-game series. <laughs> awesome. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah, listen, and that's the sixth coaching change this year. It's, it's you know, coaches are just, yeah, they're so disposable, it feels now. And I wonder, you know, who's next? Because I imagine, you know, the other 26 guys are probably, at least some of them are under an intense amount of pressure right now. Uh, it's a win-now situation. Mm-hmm. So nobody's safe. And uh, it makes it makes things interesting. It always gives us something to talk about. And yep. We will be keeping a close eye on the Islanders, so they're a perfect one to know. And by the way, Thursday night, where does Patrick Wan the Islanders end up? In the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, <laughs> Very Center. nice. And, yeah, David. I can only imagine what that scene will be like. Oh, yeah, that should be great. I appreciate the time as always. Thanks for doing this, David. We'll chat soon. Thanks for having me, guys. Take that, care. That is David Amber from Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada. Just the point he makes about coaches on the hot seat. If you were a GM and you're looking at the Canucks this year, and yeah. like. What a difference 
mm-hmm. the coach can make. And there's a reason we see so many coaching changes in the NHL because it works a lot, right? Like how many teams have fired their coach and gone on to win the Stanley Amber Cup? brought up Craig Berube, right? Yeah. You go back to Mike Sullivan in Pittsburgh, which well, Jim Rutherford did, Hopefully right? it's not another one, but I hope the Oilers' coaching change doesn't lead to another Stanley there Cup. There you go. Uh, but the they're Kings, looking pretty good right uh, now. With Daryl Sutter, too, mm-hmm. right? And it's yeah. just, it's, it seems more than, there. you know, other sports you get the new coach bump. But for whatever reason in hockey, it just seems to be an inc- firing your coach, mm-hmm. an incredibly effective tactic to get your team instantly playing better. Uh, tonight's game against the Chicago Blackhawks, as mentioned earlier in the show, this was supposed to be a huge night for Connor Bedard. Instead, the Blackhawks will roll out one of the weakest lineups we've seen during mm-hmm. the cap era. Hopefully the Canucks don't take them for granted. Um, this five-game homestand... Before the All-Star break, they're two for two. Um, and they've got three relatively easy games remaining. Probably the two right. hardest games already played, Arizona and the Leafs. Yes. Yeah. Now, you don't want to think that way, and I don't think the Canucks have given us any reason this this season to think that they will overlook a team like Chicago or Columbus or St. Louis. It's worth noting, and I think I'm kind of glad this happened, that the Canucks' two losses on that road trip were to St. Louis and Columbus. So at least they've mm. got the revenge factor against those guys. They don't let that happen again. And Chicago tonight, I mean, they they can't score. They, they, this team cannot put the puck in the net. And when you look at the lineup, you're like, eh, I get that. I can see that. Uh, we'll see if Carson Soucy is ready to go. He had a tough night against the Leafs. He left Saturday's game after the second, and when he left, he was minus three on the night. Um, I don't see any real need to rush him back, especially with Noah Juleson available, and I think the Canucks want to get Noah Juleson in there. Mm-hmm. Um was there anything more that you learned about the Carson Soucy injury? Did, was there anything no, said after the game? Somebody texted in. It's weird that we haven't heard anything. I don't know if a talk it was asked about it after the game. I'd okay. have to double check. But they didn't skate yesterday. So that would have been the kind of logical opportunity. Mm-hmm. Hey, you've had a chance to talk to the doctors. What's going on with Carson Soucy? But they had the day off yesterday. So they'll they'll do their game day skate. We'll see if Carson Soucy is with the group. One way or another, I'm sure Tockett will be asked about it today. But to your point, the Canucks have such a luxury right now where, I mean, Carson Soucy's been good since he came back into the lineup, but they were playing really well without him in the lineup. And we know, you know, how much Noah Juleson has impressed Rick Tockett and really established himself as a legitimate option in the coaching staff's eyes. We also know how much they like having the three right shot guys and the three left shot guys in the lineup. And (laughs) putting Noah Juleson in allows them to do that. So obviously you never... You never hope a player has to miss a game for injury, but I don't think this is anything that Rick Tockett or Adam Foote is going to be losing sleep over because mm-hmm. they want to get, as you said, they're looking for opportunities to get new Juleson in the lineup, and this way you do it without having to tell somebody, hey, you're a healthy scratch tonight. So we've got an open segment on the other side, so we're going to dip into the Dunbar Lumber text line, 650-650, if you've got any questions or comments about anything. We will get into the NFL story at 7.30 mm-hmm. with Mike Tannier. Um, so we will go over those poor, poor <sighs> sports fans in Buffalo. The poor Bills just, they just wide right. I mean, seriously. Um, but I want to talk about when we expect the Canucks to do something um, and how they're going to do it. Is Andre Kuzmenko the most obvious piece that they're going to mm-hmm. move out to create cap space, is there any other way 
that they can create cap space. So any texts or comments about that. And also I want to want to talk a little bit about the upcoming All-Star break just because it is a break. And I do wonder if certain teams, like I asked David Amber about the Calgary Flames, do you think they'll use the All-Star break to just get together and have some meetings about how they're going to approach the trade deadline, which is what, less a little less than two months away now? Yeah, or, it's or, March 8th, so coming up in six weeks, basically, at this point. Right. So it is approaching. Um, will the Canucks do anything? Will, I hate to ask the question, but is this the time where the Canucks might be able to at least have a talk with Elias Pettersson's representatives, <laughs> some sort of conversation, right? Because Pat Brisson did say, this is not me uh-huh. speculating, Pat Brisson did say, um, you know, after that road trip, I was going to touch base with my client, and then it is possible to negotiate during the season. That's Pat Brisson saying it. So don't text it and so, say, PD doesn't want to talk about it. That's Pat Brisson saying, we could talk in two weeks, in two months. It is possible to still negotiate during the season. I would think the All-Star break would be a great time ahead of the trade deadline to try one more time for the Canucks to try and get some certainty on the PD front. I know we have to go to break, and I don't want to turn this into a whole uh, PD conflagration, <laughs> but uh, I was literally struggling to fall asleep last night, and I was literally lying in bed thinking about exactly this, how as much as everyone says, like, well, he's made it perfectly clear he doesn't want to talk until the summer, his representatives have repeatedly left the door open to, well, maybe, you know, there, there's still a chance we could talk during the season. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll do negotiations later in the season. I think if his agents and him had come out, you know, in September and said, hey, listen, we don't want this to be a, str- a distraction. We'll check in in the off season. It would be a much different thing. But the fact is, as you say, they have repeatedly said, oh, we'll check in. We'll check in. Who knows? Maybe we could negotiate. And I think that's created a lot of confusion. Anyways. Laying yep. in bed thinking about the PD contract. Is he thinking about other women? No. He's structuring <laughs> yeah, the PD contract. Yeah. <laughs> My buddy literally texted me yesterday. Actually, he was like, I had a long involved dream where I had like a heart to heart with Elias Pettersson about why about why he hadn't signed in Vancouver yet. And I was like, well, what did he say? Maybe we, this is the answer. And it was very embarrassing. It was very embarrassing because all my teeth fell out during the conversation. He, he's like, I will sign only if. And then he wakes up. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, what was it? was it? I have to tell Rutherford. But yeah, it's on a lot of people's minds right now in Vancouver. All right. We'll take a break here. Uh, it's Halford and Bruff. Jamie Dodd filling in for Mike Halford. As uh, Bruff said, open segment. So get your texts in uh, and we will read them coming up next here on Sportsnet 650.